Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Break It Down for Brackens podcast. Today, we have Donna Joy. She is running for school board in Jefferson County. Today's episode is brought to you by Brackens Painting. Brackens Painting is a residential and commercial painting company located in Charlestown, West Virginia. We currently serve all of West Virginia and Virginia. We are currently very busy but we look forward to offering prices for projects anywhere and of any size. We're also brought to you by City National Bank, which you'll hear a nice plug about them at the end of the podcast, read by none other than Melissa Knott, my banker. I work with her at the Jefferson County offices in Ranson and in Charleston. So like I said, today we're talking to Donna Joy. Let's learn more about why she's running for office, what the school board does, and uh, why it's important to get out and vote. Donna, thank you for being on the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Great. Try to speak up a tiny bit more, okay? Okay. Great. How's that? So, let's start with your background. Tell me about who you are personally, who you are professionally, where you're from, did you go to school, family, anything you want to let us know. I remember you're talking not just to me, but anybody who might listen to the podcast. So what should we know about Donna? Okay, well, um, I grew up in West Baltimore, um, where the riots were. And I raised my siblings and went to college. I was the only one in my neighborhood to go to college. Most, um, most kids dropped out in middle school. and. So I went to college to be an engineer. I was a physics major. I had had 100 average in trigonometry in high school. I won the science award. Um, but when I got to college, you would have thought that I'd never even been to school, to high school. They went over everything I ever learned in one day, even though you know I had, I won the award for being the best student in the high school. And just, anyway, so I was, I was very disappointed um, and was angry that I felt like I'd been cheated of an education and I wanted to help other kids to you know, teach them how to get out of poverty and I wanted to fix the system. So I changed to education as a major and um, where I grew up, there were a lot of single parent families, a lot of, you know, drug and alcohol abuse. So a lot of kids were in um, special education and labeled emotionally disturbed. So I um, really wanted to help that group of kids, special ed population. So I went on to get a master's in special, oh, I went to uh, Towson University for the bachelor's in elementary ed. So then I went to Johns Hopkins University for, and got a master's in special ed and I had a concentration in neuroscience. <clears throat> I um, fell in love with the brain and how the brain worked and um, so I wanted to do more with exploring the brain. I uh, had an internship at the Kennedy Krieger Institute with um, head, worked with head injured children and um, children with autism. So I decided I wanted to pursue a PhD in the Mind Brain Institute, but I was told I needed to take more statistics classes and then apply. 
So I went back to Towson because it was a lot cheaper and took the graduate level statistics, but that was in the psychology program. So I ended up having to be a part of their graduate psychology, um, experimental psychology was the degree in order to get these classes. So I ended up um, you know, taking these classes, but I found that I really liked the math. And so I started doing more of the math that I really had loved you know, when I first started. <clears throat> and so here I am with uh, already two degrees and in a master's in experimental psychology and a bachelor's in math. So I ended up finishing those. Now I have four degrees and I still don't have it exactly right about what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to help kids. All along I was teaching full-time while I was going to school at night. So I was teaching in Baltimore City. I taught severely emotionally disturbed children. Um, and I taught special ed altogether for 15 years before I um, moved into uh, the regular red population but so i found out about a program that seemed to cover all my degrees and it was called measurement statistics research and evaluation at the university of maryland college park so because it had the math and it had the um the research and the education sociology psychology so i started the phd program there <clears throat> And I got married, had children, and moved to Virginia and started teaching at, in Arlington, Virginia, where I taught special ed math <clears throat> at um, Thomas Jefferson and then Wakefield High School. And six years I taught in Did Arlington. You say Wakefield? Yeah, uh-huh. I, I, I used to live in the Wakefield district, but I, I ended up going to O'Connell. I'm actually from Arlington. Oh, okay. I, I loved it. Um, there, the high school. I guess what, you would what know. What year was that? Um, I started in '96, and it was maybe 2002 when I left. Um, but there were over 150 lang different languages spoken at Wakefield at the yeah. time, which was amazing. This is the most diverse population I had ever, you know, experienced, and I just love Arlington. <clears throat> It was very progressive, and I don't want to get off on a tangent, but um, they were very research-based in their education um, programs. I don't know how it is now, but at the time when I went, they were number one in the country, pretty much. They were in the top 10, the Jefferson or Arlington County Schools. And it was because they made their decisions based on sound research, which is what one of the reasons I would like to be on the school board here, um, I don't want to get off on the tangent, but so anyway, Donna, we, can, um, we can do Donna. This is my podcast. We can do any okay. any tangent you want to. I mean, all of a sudden we're talking about education in Arlington, which I don't have much to offer when it comes to education besides my own education. But the, the to know that you taught at Wakefield and me being from the Wakefield. Um, district or whatever it's called I understand what those neighborhoods were like and I was in high school in the late 90s into the early I'm sorry into the late 80s into the early 90s and it was definitely a, a rougher school 
for, for the Arlington County area. But like you said, very, very, very diverse. Um, and again, part of this podcast is really to break down who you are. So if you go on a tangent, I'll guide you back. So you can talk about whatever you want, Don. I mean, part, part of another reason why this podcast I feel is important for me primarily is it helps me understand who people are before they get voted for. You know, I, I like to vote for character. And it's hard when you're running for office to, to, to show what your character is to so many people. So the tangents are okay. Go whatever direction you want to go, okay? Yep, thank you. Well, you, were, you were mentioning that the, um, the Arlington County School District, they did well because they made a lot of their decisions based on sound research. Right, yeah. yeah. For example, I think it must have been 2000 or 2000, it was around 2000, they decided to uh, change the time when the older kids went to school. And it was based on the research that, you know, the younger kids went to school in the morning and then the older kids, you know, later in the day to give the teenagers more rest because of, you know, research. And that was done we're in, you know, 2020 now, and you still, you know, I see school systems are just starting to do that. So that was over 20 years ago that, you know, they started that program. Well, that's um, pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, they did a lot of things that, um, you know, we don't even, this school system isn't even aware of, you know, how we teach reading is research shows that it's not the best way to teach reading, um, the balanced approach, even though they were given an award or somebody from DC came up and said, oh, you know, you have a great uh, reading program, but it's not what research shows is ideal. So- Well, hold on, Let, let's back up for a minute. I'm still on character development here. So uh, tell, me, tell me a successful story that you saw um, based on, like you said, sound research. I mean, the, the changing of school hours, that seems to be just a little too big of a concept, but tell me a story where something that you saw was changing was directly impacting students' performance and how they were learning. Um, I can't hear you anymore. I lost you, your sound. Okay, can you hear oh, me now? Oh, now you're back. All right, yeah. cool. So tell me a story, um, I, I was saying that the changing school hours was uh, it's kind of too big of a broad program. Tell me a story where you saw successes with uh, students learning more efficiently through some research-based changes that you saw. Well, I mean, I was only there another two years, so that's a little difficult to, to okay. find a direct example based on changing the school hours, but I can tell you that um, you know, students, especially students that had jobs and, you know, they work late at McDonald's and they have to clean up afterwards, it gives them a little bit of extra time to sleep in. So those were some of the things that I noticed, but, um, you know, you really need to look over time for me Long, to be able to Longitudinal studies. Right. Yeah. Um, right, cool. Um, so you're from you're from Baltimore. When did you end up moving to Jefferson County? Um, 2004. What brought you out here? I I like 
the country. I wanted to get land and honestly, West Virginia was the, um, I, I had become a single mother and I wanted my children to be close enough to their father, but um, I, I didn't want to live in an urban area. Um, so I just wanted a better environment to raise my children and Jefferson County seemed ideal. It's great. And I was able to get an acre of land, you know, as a single parent on my income. And um, I wouldn't have been able to do that in Arlington. So it was a real difficult decision to move from the Northern Virginia area where the schools were um, very good. I mean, my daughter had gotten accepted into one of the immersion programs for the bilingual school which um, I really wanted her to, to be able to learn, you know, Spanish. But anyway, so that was the reason. Okay. So before we get into what the school board is, tell me about any sort of uh, community service or organizations you belong to in Jefferson County, maybe somewhere people may have seen you or recognize you from. Okay. Um, I just... I, I never finished my education though. I just, is that? Yeah, yeah fine, let's go, go back. back, keep going. Yeah, keep going, sure. I, Okay, and then I'll go to community service. Um, <clears throat> well, so I ended up uh, finishing my PhD at Virginia Tech because I oh. transferred. Yeah, so the PhD is in measurement statistics, research and evaluation. And um, there was a book published because it's called um, The Emerging the Emerging Culture of Online Education. So I did the, my dissertation on instructors transitioning from face-to-face -to, -face to online education. And that was in 2004, so 16 years ago. And now um, we see teachers having to, um, you know, do that more um, across all the spectrums. I had researched college professors at the time. Um, so anyway, I, so while, while I was teaching in Arlington, and then I moved out to West Virginia, and I started teaching online. So I taught at six different universities. Um, because I have a PhD in research and statistics, every major requires their students to take a statistics, you know, uh, oh, yeah. statistics for science, to statistics for political science. So I was able to easily get jobs in the beginning. Um, as time progressed, there, there are more and more PhDs because people can get PhDs online now. So it's, it's just a lot easier. So they're, and they're more specialized. So you have more, um, when I first started, there were very few, you know, people that could teach statistics and research. So, um, so as time went on, fewer and fewer jobs and you had to have the specific credentials. For example, I taught a science class at Strayer for uh, like 12, 13 years, the same science class. And then they decided that you had to have a biology degree to teach the, you know, in that department. Fortunately, because I had the master's in psychology, I was able to teach psychology. So I've taught psychology there for many years. But um, so I've taught just I mean, amazing different subjects that I've taught at the college level because of this kind of degree 
and the, the different degrees that I have. So, um, and I taught, uh, this one is, I guess, mostly relevant. I supervise student teachers at one, two different universities, and I um, supervise dissertations in the educational leadership, mostly educational leadership. So I supervise principals dissertations. Um, anyway, so that's the uh, basic of my education. Um, so you said community service. I should well, I just wanted, say- I wanted, I wanted to touch for a second on statistics, especially, especially graduate level statistics. I took um, research, method, re research methods in undergrad. And everybody knows that undergrad is a different animal compared to graduate school. I went to graduate school at Temple University. Um, sorry, I got some sort of announcement there. Yeah, um, I did too. You got that too, okay. Uh, and then I took, when I went to grad school at Temple University, I had to take um, graduate level statistics. And at the time, I already had a budding career in Manhattan and I was going to school in Philly and I was living in the middle was commuting one way and the other way and one way and the other way to get to school and um, inevitably I missed classes oh my god I've never experienced a curriculum that was so compounding from one class to the next class to the next I literally could not get caught up I had to negotiate with the professor and just say I'm not going to be able to finish this class how do we want to resolve this but it was really amazing but with Additionally amazing is how often I use what I learned in research methods and in my statistics class, specifically when it comes to simple concepts of sample size and population and things like that, and the type of study and um, all the biases. If you've learned that, particularly undergrad and graduate level, it applies throughout life. It applies in critical thinking, it applies in um, just analysis and decision making. You know, I. Uh, I really grew to appreciate that part of the education, but not, I, I wasn't very good at it at the time of education, that's for sure. So I, I can understand some of that stuff you're talking about, but, and I also have said in the past that if, if I ever had five lives to live, I would spend one of those lives specifically in academics the entire time. And I love learning. I absolutely love learning. And I use this podcast as an additional version of continuing education with everybody I talk to. So. Thank you for that. That's, that was really good background on the education. But yeah, moving well, forward, did you want to tell me about any sort of community service? Are you a part of any community organizations or have you held a, an elected office before or anything like that? Okay. Well, um, I was on the board of the Shepherdstown Community Club previously. Um, otherwise, no, I haven't held any type of office. Um, what does the I community do a lot club do? Oh, the Shepherd's Triumph Community Club? It, um, we rent space to groups, um, the, the uh, market, the handmade market is, you know, they rent space, there's weddings there, um, they own the uh, Morgan Grove Park, so the community club is responsible for, you know, the upkeep of Morgan Grove Park. Um, so those are the things that they do. Okay. Um, so I am a um, certified recovery coach and I volunteer with the Blue Ridge uh, Recovery Resources. I work 
Well, what kind of what kind of recovery? Go a little bit more into that for me. Oh, for well, this uh, the whole project stemmed from Senator Unger, um, you know, noticing, of course, that we have a serious opioid addiction problem in West Virginia. So he created a program where he goes to different uh, parts of the state, teaches coaches, so individuals that want to help those in recovery. So he has, him and his group, they have taught hundreds of people how to be recovery coaches. He secured grants and scholarships, so I think I might have only had to pay 50 or or $100 to take the training. And then you donate um, at least a 40 hours, 40 to 100, I think it was 100 actually. There were different levels of the program that I took. Um, so you donate several hours and um, then you become certified. So I um, am a recovery coach, a volunteer recovery coach. Whenever somebody is, um, you know, reaches out and says, I, you know, I want to get well, I need a coach. And it, it doesn't have to be just for the opioid addiction, any sort of problem, um, conflict with your spouse or, you know, anything that anybody just needs somebody to listen and be a friend and help find resources. So um, that's basically what the recovery coaches do. Uh, What's the name so of the program I, again? Oh, um, it's called Grace, actually. G-R-A-C-E. Yeah, I mean, I can give you the information. No, uh, just tell me what you said. It was a, the Blue Ridge something? Yeah, well, one of the uh, branches of Grace Recovery Coaches, Grace is the umbrella. Um, the training is from, but then there's the Blue Ridge Recovery, uh, Blue Ridge Resources. That's an online campaign that we've been doing since, uh, you know, we've been quarantined. So people can reach out on Facebook. It's, there is somebody there every day, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. who can, if you have a question, you can, you know, send a personal message or on the Facebook page if you, if you have any needs, if you just want to talk, if you, you know, are looking for where to get your, you know, a check that's missing in the mail, you know, they will do anything they can to help individuals. So that's one of the um, coaching ways that I volunteer. I also am work in the emergency room. So if somebody goes into the emergency room, they've overdosed and the doctors and nurses will ask, you know, are you ready to um, change your life around? Would you like a free recovery coach? And so we go into the emergency room and we start advocating because, um, you know, it can be very difficult. You, a lot of people um, suffering from drug addiction, they've lost everything. They don't have family to support them. They might not have anybody that they can call. So the um, recovery coach will go in and try to uh, locate maybe a bed, you know, in the state that their insurance will cover. You know, any kind of thing, calling people for them. Um, and then the third, or yeah, the um, a fourth way that I volunteer is with the court system. Um, Judge Hammer <clears throat> has a program, um, the uh, drug court. And so I go in once a week with the 
it's a whole um, committee of people there to help people that have been arrested in relation to, you know, drugs. They've, um, you know, stolen from work um, or domestic violence, whatever it is. And these are people that have a, a have had a drug addiction and they're working on that. Um, so, you know, we meet as a committee, we discuss every case, every client, and then go into the court. The people that are, you know, if they're kind of like on probation, they come in and they publicly, they can cash in their, because um, they get rewards for staying on track for um, various, uh, meeting th certain thresholds, so they may get they get these these points and they can cash them in for things like shampoo or laundry detergent. <clears throat> and then really they have that whole group to celebrate them. They have the rest of the the people that are you know um, they have the, the the whole committee of professionals, the social worker. There are um, police officers. Uh, the probation officer, maybe eight different people, and then the recovery coach, which is what I do. And that's but, really that, that's, that's really great. Those are those are all significant community uh, service positions. That's that's awesome, Donna. Um, moving on to school board. Wasn't done, but that's okay. Oh my goodness! No, come on, tell me more. No, I, 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 well, I thought number three was the last one. What else do you do? Uh, well, that's just for the recovery coaching. Okay. That's, there's four different. There's actually four because of the um, the online that we're doing now. The other three we aren't really doing because of the, the you know the lockdown. Right. So you know once that's up, then we'll go back into the hospital and the courts. <clears throat> but we do are still actively, if anybody wants a coach, we are still doing it. We're just not meeting them face-to-face. -face. We're doing it over the phone. Um, so I've also been, um, uh, well, I guess it's not volunteer, but it, you know, it was for my community of basketball coach at the middle school. And um, I was a volunteer uh, swim uh, official for the swim teams. So in Jefferson, County in West Virginia, the uh, schools compete here. We don't have a pool in Jefferson County, which is unfortunate. Um, hopefully, if I get on the board, um, the new education complex would have a pool so that we could, you know, have our own pool. It would be a lot easier. But right now, we share time. So all the kids in Jefferson County share time in the pool at Shepherd University with the other other schools from Berkeley County. <clears throat> so if we could have our own pool, kids could get in a lot more practice. It's probably the only uh, sport that they get less than five hours a week in the pool. You know, you can do more on your own, but as an organized school sponsor where other sports you know track two or three hours a day you know so that's like 15 hours a week as opposed to four or five hours a week so we could be sure. you know more competitive but at least you know some kids that's their sport and it would just be helpful um 
going off on a tangent, right? No, no, you're uh, not. No, no, you're you're here's the deal. This is called break so, it down for Bracken. So you're 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 breaking it down for me. I appreciate that. All right. Well, you know, another reason that I'm really passionate about this particular issue is because we have kids living up on the mountain. Um, it takes them 45 minutes to get to the pool at Shepherd, you know, and that's very difficult. We don't have buses that take kids back and forth to, to these activities. So if we had the, the pool at closer to the school, you know, they could go right from, um, or even at the schools, you know, I, I know that that's a long way off, but you know, one day it would be nice if we had pools at the high schools. Um, Anyway, okay. I can talk more about the, the mountain, which is, I would go into, I feel like we really need to invest more in that area for kids. I mean, there's not a lot for kids to do there. Um, and we have some of the um, lowest income children in that area. So, it would be really nice to have a little satellite program, after school program that the school system is responsible for. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Kind of, I do. Okay. Um, have, we, have we crossed off all the community activities that you wanted to talk about? Oh, I mean, I, I do a lot um, of community service. Um, it's not necessarily with um specific groups okay um but i you, um, oh i also volunteer at the jefferson county community ministries oh yeah You're, yeah the, well, no, the, so again part of the part of the point of this podcast is for people to get to know you so i think what we've identified is that you are definitely around the county you're definitely involved both civically and on your own doing what you can and what you want to do. So it's not like you're a recluse. What, we, what, I'm, what I guess we would define is that you're actually out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I love the community. That's why I became a teacher here, which is, I didn't mention, um, which I think it's important that you know, <laughs> that I, yeah. you know, wanted to, at, so my children were in the school system and they started um, in elementary school. My oldest daughter started in second grade and the youngest was in kindergarten. So <clears throat> by the time they were in middle school, you know, I was noticing that the high school was hiring five new math teachers every year. I mean, my daughter, when she got to high school, she, she's actually only had one certificate, and it was me for four years of high school. So it was a serious problem. So I got a job at the high school to help, you know, because I saw that there was a need. My children are going there. I am a math teacher. Um, you know, I, so I started giving up my contracts with the universities. I mean, I still kept a couple, but I moved into um, teaching at the high school to be of service to my community, to fill a need. Um, and Anyway, so I still, I'm a teacher in the county. That's very good to know. That's very good to know. Which, which school are you at? Um, well, I'm assigned to Washington High School. Okay. Um, so you're running for school board. I don't have any kids. 
I really don't know much about the school board or the school system. Are you able to give me a description of what the school board is responsible for or what it does? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, the school board is responsible for hiring and supervising the superintendent. Um, they distribute, uh, you know, the funding, they make decisions on uh, the, the, the curriculum um, to a certain extent. Some, some things are mandated by the state. Well, um, hold, on, hold on one second, Donna. Let's, let's really break it down because I, I can sit here and nod my head like I know what you're talking about, but I actually don't. We gotta pretend we're talking to a, a 10 to 14 year old person that has not much background on it. So the superintendent, that is the overseer of all the schools. Is that what that is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's like, you know, similar to a president. So she oversees the schools in the county. And then there's an assistant superintendent. Um, so, and he's new. Um, okay. He's been there maybe less than a year. Okay, and then the um, you, you said additionally they, they are responsible for budgeting. Is that what you said? Um, yeah, well, they, so, you know, you have the finance department. That's all part of that board of ed office. Um, you know, they have a budget and the board would have to approve. We want to spend so much on X, Y, and Z. Do you approve? The board agrees so it's basically um just kind of they're supposed to be an oversight group for what goes on at the board office okay that, that makes that sense that makes sense yeah the uh to have oversight definitely so it's kind of a, a command and control kind of oversight that was the right word that's um, the theory that's the way it's supposed to work right. um but you asking about why I was running and this is kind of relevant. So it's been my experience that a lot of times, for example, with my background in research, the, the superintendent will tell the board, well, research says this and they shake their heads and, you know, rubber stamp. Maybe they don't know enough about it. So they're depending on essentially their employee, which, you know, that's not what works. That's not the way it's supposed to work. You know, if you don't know, go find out, you know, so that, but by me having the background in um, research and evaluation, that, that's why I feel it's important for somebody to be able to, you know, analyze some of this, these numbers and information. So that's um, one example. That's um, great. Well, hold, hold on. You're, you're, you're okay. beginning to get away from my, my curriculum here, which was okay. coincidentally the next the next thing I wanted to learn was that you that I interrupted you as you were describing what a, a board does. And the, the next thing and the final thing you had mentioned at, before I interrupted you was curriculum. So mm -hmm. how, how does the board influence curriculum? Well, I mean, textbook adoption um there you know there's some things that the state controls you know the state like you know it's during when legislate the legislature's happening and hopping uh they just ended in march but so the delegates and senate they bring up these bills and for example um i've been trying to get 
a requirement in our schools for students to um, learn personal finance. So at least a half credit in personal finance to graduate. This is what I've been advocating. And you, I'm, you can't get that requirement at the um, this county level. They have a choice. They can say, yeah, you're, you know, you're allowed to teach it, but for it to be a requirement, it really comes from the state. So I, you know, helped encourage this bill last summer, um, got it all the way through. I worked with several senators and delegates in the state. Um, our local delegates, two of them, immediately uh, approved it. The del it passed the House, 100 to 8. So it, by the time it got to the Senate, it was towards the end, it was kind of used for leverage, which is, you know, politics. So it didn't make it. So, you know, next year I'll try again to get personal finance as a requirement. So our current school board, you know, they can say, you know, you have, you know, at least offer this, you know, or they can um, uh, make sure that the schools are. So one thing with personal finance, as an example, they are supposed to be teaching it two weeks in civics class. Okay, that's what, you know, the legislator said some time back. Well, that's not monitored. And the curriculum isn't, it's not substantial. So those are some of the ways, is that clear? Like what? Absolutely, yes. The that was, school board can do. That was explained as if a teacher was telling me. So that is perfect, Donna. <laughs> so moving forward then, what other things is the school board, what else do they have influence on or what else do they do? Well, um, you know, when, for example, the school board signed off on the, the, the money for uh, the deal, the pilot deal with Rockwell. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that they, they do. Like the sheriff, somebody comes in with a plan that affects the whole county because the school board gets funding, um, they get tax money, they have a voice. So um, that's, you know, dealing with the budget. Does that make sense? Did I answer it, that question? It, it does, and I don't totally understand why the school board would be in a decision-making process for something like Rockwell, but that's probably right. for somebody else to educate me on who has a say when things happen like that. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't really know. Well, it that's was because... It was because of the the tax money because they agreed to say okay we won't we're gonna you don't have to give us your tax money. So I that's, see. Um, now everything that happened after that, um, you know, that was a personal choice of the school board, the court okay. and everything. Gotcha. Yeah, the that's a very foggy topic that I tended to stay away from because yeah, I, I wanted something else, but it was the first thing that came to my mind. Well, no, sure. But the reason, the, the reason I don't get into it is that I can't seem to find, you know, again, with a little bit of research methods background, a little bit of statistics background, 
I realize I'm not getting appropriate data from anybody that I can call as sound data. So that's why I don't really mess with that topic because it's just, I don't know who's right and who's wrong. So I don't, why bother? I'm not gonna think about it. Okay, so those are some great examples of what the school board does. Um, and I think, I mean, my next question was, why did you decide to run? I, I think that based on the things you told about your background, your community service, um, the fact that you are a teacher and that you've got like, who knows how many degrees and PhDs and all that, I mean, give me something juicy as to why you want to run. I think, I mean, I mean, it makes sense why you want to run, but what, where's your passion lie? Well, education is my passion. Um, I, you know, I started as a child teaching my siblings. I taught the kids in my neighborhood. I've, you know, always been an advocate. I have students now that I encourage. I'm just, education has been extremely important to me. And I think it's 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 important that we um, give the best that we can to our children. So the main reason, I guess, for running for school board is because, you know, other than being extremely passionate about education, clearly, I mean, I am a career educator teaching for 30 years at every different age, just about every subject you can imagine. <clears throat> but, you know, I love my community and the children in my community, I mean, the whole state, but, you know, right now we have the counties on either side of Jefferson County that are thriving, you know, the kids are, you know, in the top 10%, these school systems, Washington and Loudoun, and, and yet we are in the bottom 10% in the country in the state, you know, Jefferson County, I think is ranked number two, but so what if you're ranked, you know, so low as far as the whole um, country, I would like to get our schools up to the level of the schools in the surrounding counties. It's not fair that just because you live across the street, you know, you'll have a, a much lower quality of education. So, does that make sense? It, it spawns so many more questions. Um, when you run for school board, are you running in a particular district or how is it broken down to determine whether you win or not besides the popular vote? Mm -hmm. Well, um, so the way it works in Jefferson County, um, the school, the, the system is broken up into districts, Middleway, Cable Town, Harpers Ferry, Charlestown, and Shepherdstown. And so at any given time, you can only have two people on the board that live in any one of those districts. It's not that they only represent that district, it's just that their home address, you know, where they okay. live. So right now, there are five people on the board. Three of those positions are up for re-election. The two people that are currently, that were voted in two years ago, they have two years left. Um, yeah, um, so each term is for four years. So they still have two years to go. So it's not, you're not getting a whole new board every time, you know, you have stability which that makes sense. Um, so be, 
the uh, Lori Ogden and um, Skinner. She's from the Cable Town District. So that means you're only going to have one opening for Cable Town because you've got somebody on the board who um, has their position for two years, only one spot for Cable Town. Shepherdstown, um, <clears throat> Mark Osborne is from Shepherdstown, and the person that they, the school board appointed, Wendy, she just took over for when Arthena Roper left. So she didn't get elected. They, the board, you know, appointed her, so she still has to run. <clears throat> she lives in Shepherdstown. So there are two positions available in Shepherdstown this time. Does this make sense? Absolutely makes sense to okay. me, yes. Um, but. Oh, what if, I, what if, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, so the, the way that the election works is the top, it'll, since we have three openings and there, there would have only been two, but because of the, you know, Arthena leaving. So we have the top three, we'll get, um, where the top three, they get the most votes. However, and they'll get the position. However, if the third highest, if those all three are from the same district, they won't, that third person won't get a seat because right. you can only have two. And plus, aside from that stipulation, the third highest will only be serving out Arthena's term. So they don't get that four year they will have to rerun in two years. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. Now, mm -hmm. if I live in Charlestown, does that mean I'm only voting for people in Charlestown or am I voting yeah. for each district or am I just voting on a popularity contest? <laughs> well, that part of the question is a whole nother story, but right. um, hopefully you're not. But anyway, so um, you vote for anybody because it doesn't matter where they live. Anybody on that board hopefully is there for the whole, for all the kids. It's just where they live that, you know, to, to divide it up, but you're not representing your own district by any means. I mean, it, you know, that's not the plan. You know, that's not the, the purpose of the design is not for that. Okay, so 11 people are running. I get to vote for one. You get to vote for, up to three. You can vote for one, two, or three. So you will okay. be voting for up to three, no more than three. That's, and it, yeah, I mean, it is, it is it confusing between what you guys are versus what the magistrates are versus what city council is? There's so many different yeah. levels of confusion. Mm -hmm. And um, again, and different we're, breaking, we're, we're breaking it down <laughs> for brackets. This is great because when you walk into the booth, if you don't know really, then you're just winging your vote. It's 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 well, what, democracy, but it's what, it's, it's what I like about these mail-in ballots. I was concerned because when you know research shows that when you have a lot of candidates for a position, the people that get the most votes are usually the top candidates on that form because if they do what you say, they just click, click, you know, they don't know, they'll just click the top three, which is exactly what happened in the last election. The number, the, the three at the top on that ballot got the most votes. 
However, and I'm, unfortunately, I'm number seven. <laughs> so, um, but this time I'm hoping with these mail-in ballots that people will spend more time with it, you know, and they could go and research. But at least they, they're not pressured in this booth and, you know, so I'm that's a glad. great perspective. That's a great perspective. And, and you know, I'm not trying to try to, I'm not trying to get out the vote or whatever, but I, I do think that anybody who might be listening, I, I could, or we could kind of inspire them to spread the word because there's not a ton of people listen to the podcast, but if, if half the people who did told one person, Hey, you know, I heard of a really great idea. When you do get your absentee ballot, you'll see what names are on there. Go to their websites, Google them, check their, check out what they stand for. This is a really neat scenario where you can truly do research on who you get to vote for. That's a very good perspective. And I think I'm going to try and find a way to segue that into every intro or every podcast. Just remind people, do your research, get out there. We could have the most sound um, winners for the first time in a very long time if people did do even double the diligence they did before. So that's a very, very good point, Donna. And again, that's that research and statistics background that you've got that just flows naturally. I hear it. Um, let's see. Um, voting day is June 9th. Uh, we were on the, we were still on the topic of why did you decide to run? Did we cover that? I mean, fully besides um, the passion for education and. I, I want to bring the schools up to a level um, right. of the surrounding counties. And I see that there's a need. I mean, I, having taught in the school system, um, I feel like they need somebody on that board that knows what goes on um, as a parent and as an employee. Um, uh, I mean, I know how difficult it is for an individual to access the board uh, as an employee or, you know, the public. It's very difficult. You, you can go to these meetings, you fill out a form, you get to speak for a few minutes, but there's no guarantee that you're you're ever getting a response back. It's like this mystery, um, you know, committee that it's not accessible. So I would like to bring, you know, more accessibility to the board um, to be a true servant of the community. Transparency, I mean, we need to know, well, why did you do that? What is your thinking? And I, I would create a, a, a you know, a website just for the board, not to put the recordings only of, you know, those board meetings, but every decision that they make, we ought to have some logic behind it, you know? Why did you spend a half million dollars on these lawyers to fight parents who are just trying to get, you know, services for their kids with disabilities? I mean, people need to know that. People need to know, you know, the whole picture. People need to know why were we fined? We were, we were fined for um, violating employee um, tax, tax uh, the federal government fined the school system. We shouldn't be wasting our money on these kind of things, you know? So, you know, to have it 
so that the public can see. And then, you know, if they disagree, then the public can, you know, make comment and have a formal process. That's another, um, I'm going off on a tangent saying- No, you're not. No, 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 no. You are, you are breaking it down. This is all about tangents, Donna. I mean, the more, the thing is, is this is an opportunity for you to to break it down on, on what you're thinking, why you're running, and, and why it's important. And like you said, accessibility, transparency. Um, and accountability. 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 Yeah. yeah, I mean, right now, many parts of their school system aren't, you know, there isn't a lot of accountability. Um, you know, it becomes your word against this mysterious entity and you know this dysfunctional it doesn't it's not helping us improve if we want to have schools that you know are of the quality of those other counties like i said we've got to bring up the level of you know accountability um integrity respect respecting teachers um employees they need to be able to voice their concerns and not fear retaliation, but those kinds of things. Donna, I love it. I love everything you're saying. And I've got one more question before the floor becomes yours totally, okay? Oh, okay. And the last question I have is, it, it might be two parts, it might be one and a half parts, I'm not sure, but normally I ask people, why is it important for people to vote? Right, and let hold me free to answer that. I don't have kids. Why is it important for people who aren't directly involved in the education system to care who's on the school board? And then why should they and everybody vote? So it's kind of a one and a half tiered question. Um, but really, I'm just like, hey, these all sound important. You know, this is something I shouldn't be concerned about, but it's really not going to hit my radar. I don't have kids. So why right. answer that for me? Well, a lot, a lot of reasons. Um, I can give you many examples of when I ran for school board before when I was out with, you know, I haven't, we've been shut in for two months, so we're not out as much, but I have interacted with the public and <clears throat> on various issues that have nothing to do with children. So let's see, number one, uh, you have a bus stop at your driveway, at the end of your driveway. And the kids, this was a real concern um, that, you know, a, a constituent voice to me. The kids are tearing up, you know, their, their plantings. Why does that school bus have to stop where they don't even have children? Was a good valid question when, you know, the person pointed out, if you just put it, you know, a few yards down the road, that's an ideal, it's even better. There's room for them to play. They're not on private property. So, you know, so when you, when you have to do with your own private property, the uh, bus garage, when they built the new bus garage, that whole community was um, upset because the school system, there was supposedly an agreement, and I don't know all the details, but they don't block the bus garage. So the floodlights stay on all night, there's noise, and you know, 
they don't have kids. They're paying for the, you know, to get good schools, but they also want to, to not be put out by the system. So um, those are two examples. Does that make sense? Um, well, it makes sense, yeah. I, I, I guess well, not but also, knowing. We, you're a small business owner mm -hmm. and you want to contribute to your community. You want to hire people that can do basic, you know, math and, you know, can, can fill out the application. You care about the quality of education. You, you need, you're invested. If you want, you're going to be living here, you know, you'll go to these businesses where you have these people that literally, I mean, I've had people in stores that can't count the change. <clears throat> You, Donna, you these answers, yeah, Donna, these answers are really, really good. Thank you. Thank you for those answers. Now, um, we've exhausted the amount of things that I wanted to talk about. So if you have any pitch or if you have anything you want to say to potential voters or to get the word out about any sort of thing, any cause, any event, any business, anything you want to plug, now's the time. You know, it's it's you can pretty much go any direction you want to on any topic and teach me something okay well <laughs> and i know that was on the spot that was very on the spot we didn't prep for this one but you know let me think about it um so i guess i first thing i would say is i haven't had a lot of time to work on my website because i have been sick for my voice i'm losing it <clears throat> again um i'm just plus i've been taking three classes um I did not plan to be taking any more classes, but I am so passionate about my community. I wanted to try to understand, I wanted to understand why there's such poverty in, you know, Appalachia. So I've been taking classes in the Appalachian Studies program at Shepherd, and I also am taking a fundraising class, fundraising and grant writing, because I have lots of ideas about programs that we could, you know, um, have in the community especially for children and i would need funding so anyway i have and i only have one more week left of these classes so once i'm done then i plan to spend more time improving my website um, it's just something that i put together if people want to ask me i am very open and knowledgeable about most subjects i'm you know willing to find out information um, so that's that's one thing. Um, don't rely solely on my website because I think it needs some updating. Um, what else? <clears throat> so you have social media, you have a website. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, my website, DonnaJoyForSchoolBoard.com. I don't know if you can see that because I only see a little speck in this camera. Um, DonnaJoyForSchoolBoard.com. And then on Facebook, it's at vote the number four, joy, V-O-T-E four, J-O-Y. Good, I, I can put all that in the uh, show notes. Um, okay. I would say as we wrap up, tell me if, if all of a sudden you found half a million dollars, because like you said, they spent that on lawyers. Let's say you found a stray half a million dollars in the budget and they kind of put you in charge of coming up with the concept of what you would do 
what what do you think you would spend it on? What what just just kind of off the cuff. No one's holding you accountable, but like what what would be a dream scenario? Well, I have a dream project that I have been trying to get the school system to um, take a look at for uh, eight years since I started teaching there. Um, so, you know, I'm sure there are other programs that need the money. And I am really passionate about special ed. We definitely need um, an overhaul with the way we're dealing with special education in Jefferson County. Um, I could talk all day about that. I don't want to take up the whole time on those issues and what, you know, but if we're just saying fun money. Well, let, let's, let's assume everything is funded <clears throat> decently. And then they're like, okay. Hey, let's, let's get outside the box for a second. Donna, take the lead on this. Okay. Well, this is my dream project. Um, so I, so I once saw this documentary called uh, Paper Clips, and it was about a middle school uh, group teacher who wanted to teach kids about the Holocaust and, you know, to put a solid uh, physical concrete value or representation of the, the number of lives lost as a result of the Holocaust. So they had the kids um, collect a paper clip, you know, for each um, number of victims of the Holocaust. And they, they were learning how to uh, write letters to get businesses to donate these paper clips. Then they, um, you know, they had to count them, organize. Well, um, two victims of the Holocaust heard about their project and they donated a train car from Germany. It was shipped over, <clears throat> losing my voice, it was shipped over, they, that train car became a museum. And so it's, it's like an, it's a um, monument museum to the victims of the Holocaust. Meanwhile, these kids have learned, you know, adding, subtracting the math, they've learned the, the, the writing, the planning, they've learned a lot about the Holocaust and their town has this, this lasting monument museum. Well. I want to do the same thing with um, to recognize the people that have been enslaved in any capacity in this country. <clears throat> and I would use a penny, Abraham Lincoln. Um, so the same idea where the kids would get, you know, they'd have to study slavery. Um, who were the enslaved? How many? How many numbers do we need? And um, I would get uh, a donated old ship <laughs> or, you know, construct something to look like that. Um, but, you know, the students would be learning and we would end up with a lasting monument and the whole community would be involved. And it's a way to say, you know, I'm sorry. And, you know, it, it's, it's, we recognize our history, we value history. <clears throat> and each year, you know, the kids that, you know, after it's built, students would still be involved. They would learn about slavery, the importance of, of uh, remembering history. I keep going off on that because of what, you know, 1918 and the epidemic and 
wishing that people would recognize what happened back then as far as mm -hmm. the second wave and whatnot. But anyway, I got a, something on my phone here. Okay. It was like, a, I've lost you. So just a second. Okay. Oh, you're back. Nope, you're gone. Wait a minute. I've still got you. Oh, you do? I don't see you at all. I'll just sit here and talk to this blank screen then. Yeah, sure. Just just conti continue with the, the passion um, project. Yeah. And, oh, and, okay. and so, appreciating history and whatnot. So, um, I mean, I don't want to get off onto that political. I guess it's political. Well, that's but, fine. Well, look, mm -hmm. the, that, that's a really great you know, project. That's it, Oh, it, I, let me just finish that thought. Then. Sure. I just want to say that, you know, even after it's built and established, students would, the new students would come and learn and they would be working in the museum and they would be teaching the public about, you know, the uh, history of slavery is in this country, but especially in our county. And it's a way to you know, give a tribute, learn about history, and um, learn research, writing, math skills. This is driving me crazy that I can't see you. It's okay. I still, I have a still of your face. But look, oh. so because we're having a little bit of technical difficulty, I mean, the good thing is we've covered all the points that I was looking to learn, and I hope you were, had a chance to share things that you wanted to share. Did we miss anything that you can think of off the top of your head? <clears throat> Um, um, why I'm the best candidate, maybe? <clears throat> um, well, hold on a second. Let's do this. I'm going to hit pause on record, and I want to get your face back up. So give me a second. I'm probably going to stop video. You might get an email with a new room to go into, okay? Well, it might just take me a second if I could. Just give me no, a no, second. No, I, I want to do this right, because I have all the ability to do the editing in the back on the post-production. So just okay. give me a second here. Okay? One I'm second. here now. Wait, there you are. Yeah, I told you. Just give me a second. I had to... Technical difficulties averted. And I'll put it this way. There we go. Shift it a little bit to your right so we can see your whole poster. A little more. A little more. A little more. There you go. Okay. Final question then, what makes you the best candidate? <clears throat> well, I am highly qualified and um, I have, you know, at being a teacher and having children in the school system, having taught every age and ev just about every subject, dealt with lots of different socioeconomic levels, living in one of the poorest uh, and teaching in one of the poorest school systems in the country, but also teaching in one of the wealthiest school systems in the country in Arlington. So I am familiar with the effects of socioeconomic levels. <clears throat> um, my research background, my ability to analyze research, conduct research, I think that that's crucial when you're dealing with a school system that there are so many different factors, learning, uh, philosophies about teaching styles, um, and then you know dealing with the public and 
um, planning, community planning. We have, um, <clears throat> I'm getting more of these things up on my screen. You know, just mm -hmm. as far as, like I said, when you are going to build uh, the, the new schools, because we, we need, um, I've got to get that off so I can see. All right, darn it. <laughs> give me a second, go back. Oh, just give me one second. There. This there is one are. of the, yeah, this is my cell phone. Um, so anyway, um, as I say, yeah. Um, for, the I, most I, part, for the most part, Donna, you've been reiterating all of the same things we've already talked about. I mean, like you said, experience, research, statistics, um, you have the passion for education. You've been in it for your whole life. I mean, I can only hope that the other people are, are close to as experienced or as passionate as you are, you know, and that, that would mean that no matter who gets voted in, people with passion are getting in. I don't understand what the ulterior motives would be, but I mean, that's kind of what you were getting at, I assume. Um. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, my main, I am passionate about education and um, I have a variety of experiences outside of education. I was an apartment manager um, for many years and so I'm used to dealing with budgets. I was a bookkeeper um, going through college. So I have a lot of skills that the board, it would be helpful, helpful to you know, quickly, I mean, I've been teaching math for 30 years, so I, I can look at, um, you know, I could see, well, that number's off, you know, just not that the people on the board can't, it's just that I have a lot of unique skills that a board would, um, could really use, and our board. Donna, this has been a dynamite podcast. I have learned a lot. And, um, and I really, selfishly, that is all I was here to do, was to learn, learn about Donna, learn about what the school board is, learn why it's important, uh, specifically for people who don't have families or kids, why they should be voting. And I feel like I, I got all my boxes checked. I hope you feel like you have shared what you wanted to share. And this podcast, for the most part, should and can be a commercial. You can share it on social media as much as you want to. You can... You know, it, 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 it's not just to win my vote, it's to, to share with people. And everything you've said has been, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it was awesome. I mean, I, I learned a lot. So I really thank you for being on. Well, thank you. I could talk all day about education. <laughs> and that's good. And, be, and because you have that much experience and that much passion, um, that's probably what makes you a, a good candidate. And, and of course, anybody who's listening, I welcome anybody who's running for office to come on to explain who they are. You know, there's no, there's no gotcha moments. There's no, let's figure out, let's catch you in something scandalous. It's, 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 again, it's like talking to somebody who doesn't know much about the topic and, and, and sharing the amount of um, knowledge and passion they have for the content, which is exactly what you did, Donna. And again, like I was complaining earlier in the week, I've had a few people who are running for office that has straight up blown me off. And I'm, I'm a little bit sideways with those candidates and I'm not going to drop their name, but they're probably not going to get another opportunity to come on here, you know, and, and not that it's even a big deal to be on here, but 
if that's how they're handling an appointment with somebody who took the time to prep and to be on a podcast with them, that's a, that's not a very good example for somebody I want to vote for. Right. So again, I think you did, I think you, do, you, you did a great job and feel free to use this as part of your campaign. I think, I think it's dynamite. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time and patience. Um, and um, really good questions. And um, it's cool that you are from Arlington. <laughs> did you, you went to Wakefield? Did you say you went to Wakefield? I did not. I would have gone to Wakefield. Oh, I, went to, right. I went to O'Connell. O'Connell, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, okay. which, is a, which is a private school, um, which, you know, that's just the, 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 the cards I was dealt. So I got to go to a very good college prep school. Um, but all right, Donna, well, we're going to sign off now. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you. This podcast is brought to you by City National Bank in Ransom, West Virginia. I am Melissa Knott and manage both of our Jefferson County locations. Our Charlestown location is located on George Street in Charlestown, and the Ransom location is located in the Potomac Marketplace Shopping Center. City National Bank is a full-service community bank that provides an array of financial services. We offer a range of free checking accounts and savings products for both consumer and business customers. City National Bank offers competitive low-rate and low-cost lending products for both business and personal needs. Come and talk to me or one of my team members and get products and services that are tailored to fit your schedule and help you to achieve your financial goals. I can be reached at both the Ranson and Charlestown locations. Check out our website at www.bankatcity.com. Today's intro song is called Mean in a Good Way. It's written and performed by Peter Clark off of his album, Peter Clark After Dark. Peter... <laughs> Peter describes this song as being the best song to learn hula hooping to. Peter is an avid hooper and recently started a hula hoop repair business. If you ever need hula hoop repair, consider contacting Peter. You can reach him on SoundCloud. Just search Peter Clark After Dark. <laughs>